Hi there, it's Martin Wardle from Robson Laidler. A hot topic at the moment is, of course, insurance. The government have introduced a whole raft of grants and initiatives to try and help people who are losing income. Of course, the normal port of call for this is your insurance. So what I thought I would do is get along um, a local insurance expert to, to give us a, a few pointers on this and to see what the insurance market is doing and some of the things that you really need to think about during COVID-19 and lockdown. So I've got Janet from Covershaw here. Hi, Janet. Hi, Martin. Hi. How are you doing? Are you managing okay? Yes, we're very busy at the moment. It's still open for business. We're longer hours than normal, but you know, that's uh, part for the courses. I'm sure I'm sure you all, Robson Rob, Rob, staff seem to be. Well, it's 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 interesting. Yep, yeah, um, probably like you, we're, we're busier than normal, but a lot of the work is actually just holding people's hands. Um, we're, we're not busy, kind of signing off accounts and and doing that type of stuff, or as busy as we'd like to be. And I would imagine a lot of your time at the moment is is dealing with queries on policies that are existing. It's not like you're busy selling loads of insurance. Oh, absolutely. It's all about support. I mean, and that's what you expect to be doing at this time. And it's what people expect of you. That's what your insurance broker is for. You know, times of trouble, you're there for them, hopefully. Um, Janet, the, 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 the key question that we've, we've seen asked, um, I've put various things out to ask people if they've got any questions they want to ask. And, and the key one, of course, is can I claim against my insurance for loss of business as a result of COVID-19? Most... That one, please. Thank you. How many times today have I answered that one? Um, yeah, it, it, it is a bit of a difficult one. Um, it, with a lot of clients, we're saying to you, to them, put it, put your claim in. We'll support you through your claim. But at the end of the day, it's quite unlikely that the majority of people will be successful with that. It's all dependent on the specific wording of their policy. Um, and most policies don't cover it um, in the circumstances that people are finding themselves in now. And, and, and is, that, is that because COVID is a very specific thing or is it just that insurance generally doesn't include pandemics or is it that there's always been an option but people have never taken it because it's never happened before? Um, it's more, more to do with not really being an option. COVID's um, not a, um, a specified disease on a lot of insurance policies and even if it were, the specific circumstances of cover with most policies is that a, a, an occurrence of that disease has had to happen at the premises themselves. So it's closed because of infection, not closed to prevent infection. And that's the subtle difference there. So I, I, right, that's interesting. So we, we, we've seen in the past things like E. coli break out from the butchers, for instance. I yeah. think that's the type of thing that might be covered whereas exactly. everybody having E. coli wouldn't have been. Yes, that's it, exactly. So it's not to prevent the E. coli happening, but um, to prevent the spread of E. coli from that specific premises. However, um, I am finding that a some clients are covered um, through something called denial of access, um, but it's very few and far between. And all we're seeing to clients is, if you need support through a claim, we will support you. We'll see what insurers come back with and their reasons for 
turn your claim down. And if we think that they're wrong or there's something in the policy that we can help you with and point them in the right direction, we will do so. The main thing that insurers at the moment have been told by the FCA is you've got to deal with these claims, you've got to deal with them quickly, give a, a, a reason for cover not being in place very, very quickly so that clients are basically put out of their misery, if you like. That's yeah. um, not a nice expression, but at least they know they've got to make alternative arrangements um, to, you know, to, to keep their business afloat if the insurance cover is not in place. Okay. And I suppose there's a classic Geordie saying about shy bands getting out. Exactly. So if in doubt, get a claim in. Janet will gladly, and I'm sure Janet speaks for most brokers. Most brokers are, yeah. are there for the same thing. They, they, they want you to get what you paid for wherever possible. Absolutely. That's, that's our job, whether you know, brokers are there to support their clients and look after their clients. They don't act for the insurer, they act for their client. So Janet, the next question we've got, of course, is um, let's, let's say people have made a call on whether they can or can't claim. And that, that, that's bottomed out now. But their renewal's coming up. So we're now sitting at the end of April. Let's say someone's got a 15th of May renewal, um, but they haven't really got any money. Should they just not bother? Or what, what are their options? I think really the most important thing is um, to talk to your broker, talk to your broker early on, give them the full facts, look at their covers with their broker, get, get the broker to, dis, to, to guide them. Um, and give, give them, a, them, them a fair crack of the whip. Um, insurance companies sadly are um, all working remotely and they're a little bit slow in response times. So the sooner the better and plan. Um, look, at, look at your figures, be aware of what you, your, light, your turnover is likely to be. I know that's quite difficult. Um, look at your wages bill, look at your stock levels and just really try your best to tailor the cover for what you're needing at the moment. Okay, so there's a lot to pick through there and we'll go through some of those parts. Yeah. Um, what, what, what about the physical payment though, Janet? If, if, if people are waiting for grant claims to come in, they're waiting for business interruption loans, they, let's, they just haven't got the couple of grand or the grand it takes to insure. Is anything to do about spreading payments? Well, at the moment I'm talking, we at CoverSure are talking a lot about payment plans and looking at ways to spread payment. Um, and we're doing that, and I'm sure most brokers would be able to, to organise that for you. Um, another scenario, if you like, is if you're already in a payment plan and having difficulties, and um, Close Brothers Premium Finance, who we use, and a lot of brokers use for uh, insurance finance, um, I've got a hotline um, set up, and they're authorised to negotiate a deal um, with clients and based on a good payment history with them. So that's always a, a, an option, but there's always something we can do to accommodate clients and help them with that. Well, I suppose the key, the key thing is whether you, if, if you're remotely intending on going back into business, you need to keep some form of insurance there. Oh, absolutely, yes. The yeah. will happen, burglaries still happen, floods can still exactly. happen. Exactly, and yeah. we're still dealing with lots of claims like that at the moment. Um, you know, we're still, you know, flood claim today, um, for a client and we've got to you know help clients with those as well as all the other um general claims inquiries with to do with BR, business interruption sorry pick pick it up on things like floods then and, and, and fires etc janet i know 
certainly from my own experience on buy to let for instance there are very often clauses in there about empty properties and i suspect you've got a lot of people with cover who now have forcibly empty properties what do they need to be thinking about um well they need to establish what the cover is um how long that property is and can stand unoccupied before reduced cover comes into into play um i've got to say that insurance companies have all uh, the majority of extended their periods of an occupancy before the reduced cover kicks in um but every insurance company is different and we've had to do a lot of research to make sure that we're all fair with you know what your cover is there will also be um <clears throat> requirements and responsibilities on your part um, to ensure that that um, full cover um, still applies. There'll be things like turning off your heating systems and visiting the property regularly if you can, although insurance companies again are being a little being very flexible with that. But the, the most important thing is speak to your broker, give them a ring, just find out what, you know, tell them the, about your change of circumstances and just take advice on that. And I suppose the, the, the thing you're trying to avoid there is the flood in the property that isn't covered because you didn't comply with the policy details. Absolutely. It, it would be a shame yeah. to get that additional kicking. Oh, yeah, without doubt. Without doubt, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, nobody fancies reading their policy details. <laughs> so I'm sure I speak for oh. almost everybody. Um, yes. But yeah, you broke, a, you broke us your place to go there, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, I, I know you are, but I, I presume most brokers are managing to, to work in some capacity from home or still, yeah. still in some way. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, we've I've always had a business continuity plan. And literally, as soon as we were told that we had to work, you know, we had to work remotely. And um, it was literally a matter of flicking a switch and, you know, we were there and staff um, got everything that they need on the phone available by email and um you know we're, we're working pretty it was pretty seamless actually i was really pleased at how well it worked perfect <laughs> that's not bad <laughs> not bad insurance is it? um not bad janet you mentioned you, you touched on numerous things earlier on about suspending or stopping cover um and you, and you you touched very briefly on adapting cover my own word you never said that but you know yeah. changing your cover perhaps so so this example i gave of someone with a policy coming up in a couple of weeks um i mean i've, I've got a couple of couple of thoughts here if you can just talk through these obviously if you furloughed your staff do you still need to have employers liability you do um you're still actually physically employing the staff therefore it's a legal obligation to have employers liability cover However, a, a client I recently um, helped with the renewal, um, the staff, majority of the staff were doing manual work as part of their, um, as, as part of their normal um, occupation. Clearly, none of the staff are engaged in manual work. They're not involved with any work at all. So I, I spoke to insurers and they um, based the premium on clerical work only, which although they're not engaging in clerical work, attracted a lower premium, which meant at renewal, where the client had no income, um, we got a, a much better rate for the client. Um, the, the one thing that you have to be aware of, though, as soon as your normal activities are resumed, 
you've got to be hot on the tail, phone your insurance broker before anybody picks up a, a saw, a screwdriver or whatever, um, and make sure that you put your covers back to the um, to the cover that you need and that you are adequately uh, covered in those circumstances. Okay, um, well, that's, that's pretty good thinking that, Janet, if I say so myself. Um, and what, what about um, possibly the same example you've gave there? If it's a building firm with 20 vans sitting in the yard, can they now just stop insuring the vans as long as they're locked up, or is it not as simple as that? Well, while the vehicles are on the road, you've got, a, again, a legal obligation to have minimum third-party um, cover. However, um, in the olden days, when I first started in insurance, there was something called suspension of cover. And um, in probably in about the last 15 years, insurance companies didn't have a suspension clause in their policy. However, um, they have brought, brought this back as a response to the situation. You can sown your vehicle, which is declaring it off-road, um, providing it's not kept on the public highway, it's on private land, um, and insurers will suspend um, cover on fleets. Um, some will suspend it for the whole fleet, um, others say you must keep a minimum of two vehicles on cover. Um, but again, talk to your broker, they'll guide you. Um, and I'm sure the, you know all brokers are making themselves aware of this situation and doing what they can to help clients reduce premiums at this difficult time. Um, particularly on cars and vans or fleet, um, there's this idea of no claim discount. I, I don't know if that particularly applies to fleets, but it certainly applies to cars generally. Is there a danger that if you were to suspend for every vehicle, you might be starting again on that? Or um, if it's done properly, yeah. would you, would you get away with it? It's a good question, Mon. Um, I like to trust not, the Corbyn That's a really good question, yeah. Um, I haven't actually inquired about it, but in my experience in the past, um, if your vehicle, if, if you're on a no claims bonus rated policy, which is to be fair, that's mainly just a standard single vehicle policy. Um, I would imagine that if it's not um, uh, not suspended for more than say three months, that you should retain your no claims bonus. You will retain what you're doing previously and any um, advancement towards an extra year's no claims bonus, I would imagine um, you will still get that. However, again, it's a question to ask of your broker so you can ask that insurer specifically. With fleets, um, they're based on a um, claims experience. So the good thing is, if they're off the road, you're less likely to have a claim and hopefully your premium will be a bit better next renewal. Well, that was one of my questions I've got to come later, which we'll touch on. Um, Janet, you mentioned there, as long as the, the, the fleet or the cars, vans are on private land, it doesn't mean you have to own the land, does it? I presume it just means it's within your control. Yeah, exactly. Off the road, literally off the yeah. road. Locked compound on a, um, you know, if you've got a unit on an industrial estate, it's in a locked compound. And the, the thing is about suspension of cover is that you're not suspending at all. Most suspensions that I've done so far have been sus suspended other than um, accidental damage, fire and theft. So if something from the roof in your yard falls off and damages your vehicle, you've still got some cover on it. Um, you've got cover if it's damaged by fire or theft and um, so you know it's it, it, it's pretty good you've still got some cover you're not getting a full refund it's usually about 50% pro rata but you still 
saving a little bit. You're doing you're something re- to again, you're reduce reducing the cost. this. You're reducing yeah, the cost. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So let's say, for instance, that builder ironically also has a pub, and he sells lots of food and drink. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand it's quite normal to have specific cover for things like your freezer going down. You know, your basement flooding and your drink all getting ruined. I mean, if you're a pub or a restaurant or something like that, is is that somewhere they should be thinking? Yes, I mean, you can look at, I mean, if you've taken, um, for instance, sold or a a lot of your stock, I mean, beer stocks, for instance, will not stand in kegs. They have to pour them away because it deteriorates very quickly. So if you get rid of your stock, take your stock, some insured off your policy. And then you're going to save a little bit on your policy now. But again, there's always that warning. As soon as you're back up and running, review your covers and make sure that you put them back uh, to where you need them because there's nothing worse than being underinsured in those situations. And to continue my ridiculous example here, the builder who owns the pub a couple of times a year has Builder Fest. It's a big event. All the builders go. It's great. You can get along there, one day, Janet. He's a busy, he's a busy chap, this builder. Builder fest called Go Ahead. Um, again, all things like events, shows, that type of thing. Are they things that would normally be additions to policies and, and could be stripped out? Yeah, they can be. I mean, I've given you an example just recently. I did a, um, a renewal for a lady who owns a livery yard and um, riding school, and she puts on a couple of extra. Put, 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 puts on a couple of shows a year um, as, as part of a, um, a normal activities. We've taken those out. We've obviously taken riding lessons out of the um, equation on a renewal. Um, quite a lot of her covers I was able to strip out that she doesn't need now and that she will, once she resumes her normal activities, um, she will pop those back on. Her premium will increase, but so will her income and she'll be able to afford to pay for it. So Janet, you're demonstrating quite a lot here that um, if there was ever a time to have a proper dialogue with your broker to to really have a good discussion about what your business does, how it does it, this is the time, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's always, it always has been the time, um, particularly renewal. It's a conversation we try to have with every client at every renewal um, to make sure that we're keeping abreast of their um, changes in circumstances and quite often changes in direction in their business. But now is more, even more. It is even more important to have that discussion. But some people think that you know, if you don't tell your broker something, you're going to have a cheaper premium. Be honest with your broker. They're on. They're on your side. They're there to represent you and to represent your interests. And if you have a honest, open conversation, as with your accountant, um, you know they can do more for you when they're fully. Um, aware of what it is you're looking for and you know what what it is you're doing um, and then you don't you, you don't have that situation hopefully where you know you have a claim and you haven't got the cover because yeah. we weren't aware of what what was going on insurance seems to be Janet I, I mean on, on buy to let properties if we can touch on them very briefly as well mm. um, I know from my discussions with you over many years that I've got to tell you if a property becomes empty um, if I know it's going to be let within a couple of days, I must admit, I don't always tell you, but a couple of days is covered within the policy, I'm fairly certain. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. What I do need to tell you, though, is whether it's going to be a professional tenant or what is still called a DSS tenant. Yeah. Um, 
and it seems to me that insurance policies or insurance underwriters seem to be one of the few bodies that are legally allowed to discriminate almost. I'm not trying to um, get political there, but there, there are things where you, you might think, why does it matter what type of tenant I have? But actually it does. And you would only know that by having that proper dialogue, wouldn't you? Yes, that's true. I mean, there are certain insurers, I mean, um, certain direct insurers that you, uh, you deal with. I'm well aware that um, as soon as a tenant... Uh, becomes unemployed or um, starts to claim a few benefits then that automatically invalidates their policy. I've got to say that we have, um, and that's not me trying to sell cover sure by any means, but we have quite a few policies now where it's important that you tell us but they're not discriminated against in terms of premium. Now the first thing I did when um, this all started happening was had a conversation with our because about 40% of what we do is buy to let both residential and commercial had a conversation with our major providers and said look these landlords are not going to know that their tenants aren't going to come to them and say look I've claimed a benefit you know you can't expect that yeah. what are we going to do are we going to, have to take a pragmatic approach to this and comment be common you know treat people with common sense and treat these situations with common sense. And we've had a very good response from insurers. But again, speak to your insurers if you've got any concerns about it. Speak to your broker and see, you know, exactly what the situation is. Forewarned is forearmed in those situations. And the previous advice about empty properties relates just as much to buy to let as it does to any other property users, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yes. It, 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 and again, if you had a tendency that finished and someone moved out before you managed to find a replacement you are almost certainly going to have a longer void than you possibly used to it's 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 again it's it's critical that you inform that isn't it absolutely yes 64 million dollar question janet is everyone going to see an increase in their premiums next year oh my goodness Insurance, insurers this year um, have been were threatening to harden their rates, i.e. not be um, as flexible about discounting and um, we're looking to put an increase into rates. Um, and I found certain insurers are still, even though we're going back to them saying, look, these clients are really hard up and they're not bringing the business in, can you do something? And there are certain insurers that are still doing that and just saying, no, we're not budging um, on this. I think inevitably they're, you know, Insurance is a pot um, that everybody pays into and hopefully a few um, take out of that pool. Um, so it, I think it's inevitable that you know, there is going to be a little bit of a hardening of the rate. Um, but as I say, just speak to, you know, speak to your broker. Um, you know, we're not me in particular, but all brokers are there to look after your interests and just use them rather than you know, going online and have that faceless, uh, faceless internet question um, that you know. If you, buy, you know, if you the internet a hasn't got a heart, or a, you know, all so that the experience. Yourself, haven't you? You've got to, you've got to read it all yourself. Whereas exactly. Good point out yeah. the, the areas that aren't covered. Yes. Etc. Yeah. I'm not yeah. plugging. I'm not plugging, but I've always, I've used Jan for many, many, many years now since I met her. Um, but this isn't the same. Um, Janet, the last question I always ask everyone on these things is, do you have any general tips? Um, anything that 
people should just be getting on with during this downtime? I think look at your covers, take this time, and I think you've mentioned it yourself about um, generally about your costs and um, business planning, um, Martin. But look at your covers, sit down, have a quiet little. I know it's not the most interesting of topics, but have a little look at what your covers are, review them, have a chat with your broker, and you know discuss any areas that you think that you might need. Make sure that it's doing your policies are doing for you what they need to do. And if in doubt, as I say, have a chat with your broker. But the other thing to be very very aware of is make sure that you review your security because of properties are standing there unoccupied. Um, you know you, you've got to be have a bit of confidence that you've your CCTV is switched on, that um, you're keeping the recordings, um, that you're making sure that your locks are in place and you've got your alarms set. And a lot of um, unoccupied terms are that you visit the premises every seven days. Um, insurers are relaxing that slightly. They're aware that you can't always do an unnecessary journey um, to a property, but it's nice to have a little bit of peace of mind that you know that your security's there and um, you know you, you see you, you, your property's secure because at the end of the day you want to go back to that business, pick it up, and hopefully start earning a decent living again. Yeah, good advice. I think there's two spin-offs there, Janet, which I've just thought of of interest to me anyway. We've got a lot of clients who are now changing the, the nature of their business dramatically. So you mentioned delivery there. They're not doing horse riding lessons anymore. I can't immediately think of something new they might be doing, but I'll give you an example of a cafe that isn't serving food in the cafe anymore, but is now doing deliveries. They presumably need to make sure that new service is covered. Yes, they do. I mean, most, um, we, we deal with a lot of the licensed trade and, um, the leisure the leisure industries industries and we've got a lot of cafes and sandwich shops um generally delivery um isn't covered however most of the insurers that we deal with are now saying we'll just accept that as standard um as, as part of the cover but it's still important to check because not all insurers are doing that and i suppose the pragmatic view there from the insurers is that you haven't got a cafe with 30 people in tripping over on wet floors etc yeah. there's a new risk but the other risk is reduced and i presume the hope and the balance that's it exactly it, it's not yeah. worth having a protracted discussion about well i'll reduce this end but increase that end let's just be pragmatic um yeah. the other thing that came out of that as well then janet is of course a lot of people have security they have cctv that records you mentioned once a week i know with some certainty that certain types of recorded CCTV might only keep the recordings for a week before it starts overwriting. Yeah. The um, and, I, and I suppose that just highlights why it's critical to make sure that you understand your security because if there's a break-in, whether or not it's insured, surely you want to have a chance of catching the perpetrators. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, the, the majority now um, are 24-7 recorded and backed up. Um, up to 28 days right. um, but at 28 days quite often that's automatically wiped so you know we're, we've been locked down four weeks now so you need to be just to, to be aware of that and do something about it 
because it's not always obvious. You wouldn't necessarily know that there's been a break-in or something like a float might be totally invisible to the outside world. It's not like a passerby is going to report it to the police or give you a ring. Something could be happening in the property, so it's, it's again, more important than ever to make sure you, you're popping your head in if at all possible. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people can just log into their CCTV now, had a, 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 um, a water, um, an escape of water claim today from a big club in town that um, they'd actually picked it up on the CCTV and they just logged into the CCTV and seeing that they had the, the water damage and, uh, and they've, they've um, you know, been able to get the leak fixed, the emergency plumber, and, um, you know, start to claim and they're complying with the, the, the uh, policy requirements too, so. I, I, I knew insurance was interesting, but, you know, you've, <laughs> you've, you've, you've proven there's definitely things to think about there. So thank you for yeah, that. Things to think about, um, yeah. I really appreciate your time and I hope that you get through these difficult times. I know from speaking to you no that problem. you've had some pretty rough days, speaking to clients who've been insuring with you for many, many years who pretty much yes. lost their business. It is hard mm. and, uh, and, I, and I wish you the very best getting through it. Thanks very much, and to you too. Thanks, Thanks Martin. Much.